Greetings, honorable battle brother. Brother, today we discuss the great nerd, Magnus the Red. And his legion and also of the thousand fellow sons. nerds. Yeah, fellow nerds. Yeah, they're all nerds. Yes. Um, but yes. before we talk about the thousand sons, uh, the big red boy, and then the smaller blue boys, uh, we are going to talk about an anniversary. Yes. Planning ahead, what is this? A professional podcast? We don't do that here. Uh, March 16th, 2021 was an interesting day. Um, some of you may have things had things going on, but to us, it was the first episode. It was the first release episode of our um, conglomeration of, of words <laughs> that we that we host every so often. Yes. Uh, so, in honor of that, we will be doing a question and answer seg segment. If enough of you participate, um, yes. so if you have any questions on the lore, about us, about things we know, about things we might know, about things we don't know, uh, email them to us at thebattlebrothercast at gmail.com, and we will uh, compile them and uh, ask your questions to everybody else as well. Uh, we will yes. ask and answer your questions. Yes, as we are wont to do, in our typical fashion of whatever you would call this. So just uh, fire off a question, uh, include your name if you want to, your name included. Um, if you want to give a message or a brief, a brief statement, then absolutely we'll include that. Uh, but other than that, you know, if, if enough of you have questions, we will definitely answer them. Yes. Just as a rule, if you, if you put something in the email and don't explain, we will probably, we'll just probably read the entire email. Yes. So even if you don't put your name, we will probably mention from so-and-so at so-and-so. Right. So, yeah. We don't really you, think things through here. Yes. We did that once. We Well, so fun behind the scenes. We did that in the beginning with the Emperor episode, and then we decided that was boring and that we would never do that again. Yes, of course. With that out uh, of the way. Preamble done. Big Bird Boy yes. now. Yes. Big Bird Boy and his and his and his small dusty boys, um, yes. Magnus the Red, fifteenth son of the Emperor, yes. Um, yes, also known as the Crimson King, uh, the yes. Cyclops, mm -hmm. uh, was the Primarch of the Thousand Sons Space Marine Legion. He was yes. obviously everybody had their own little shtick. Uh, him, uh -huh. Magnus, being the most powerful psyker uh, in the galaxy. <laughs> yes. He was a big wizard. Yeah, he was wizard boy. Literally, he was big a nerd big wizard. wizard. Uh, yes. yes, he was uh, taller than the other Primarchs. Um, yes. He had red skin. Yes. Uh, eventually, he would lose one of his eyes. Yes. And he kind of did this cute, quirky, fun psychic projection thing where he would make himself look bigger than he was, just like <sighs> the Emperor. In the grim, dark future of the 41st millennium, people will still compensate over nonsense, which is why his entire suit of armor was covered in horns. Yes, yes, and especially after he falls, he just grows more horns everywhere. It's weird. Yes. Um, but turning back the clock, uh, we uh, see Magnus land on a planet called um, Prospero outside of the main city of Prospero called Tiska. And Tiska yes. looked like a weird sort of 
uh, like they had pyramids and it was still kind of snowy. It was a weird kind of environment. It, it essentially was, was space Egypt. Egypt. It was space Egypt. Yeah. Um, it was Egypt. So space Egypt, Prospero, um, yes. was a prosperous world. Uh, the cities were filled with scholars and uh, yes. all kinds of smart nerds. Um, yes. There was a uh, one of the arch uh, mentors here, one of the, the highest uh, and most knowledgeable individuals was a man named Eamon. Yes. And Eamon found Magnus and quickly began teaching him everything he knew. Uh, yes. It didn't take long, obviously, for Magnus to escape, uh, to eclipse uh, Eamon in power and psychic power and obviously physical prowess. And yes. uh, there was a lot of warp fuckery going on on Prospero at this time. Yes. And we should mention Prospero was a wizard planet. It was a planet it, where everyone was a psyker to some degree. Where yes, to be a certain, in a certain place in the hierarchy, you had to be a psyker. Exactly. And it's weird because, like, literally everybody was a psyker. Like, in one of the books, in I think it was the Thousand Sons Horse Heresy book, they talk about even the, like, the wait staff at restaurants would bring you what you want before you ordered because they knew what you wanted. <laughs> so, like, even the every average day citizen had some sort of psychic potential, which is, and it's a, it's a different concentration than anywhere else in the planet. The quantum tunneling bacon, egg, and cheese on toast. Exactly. Delicious bacon, egg, and cheese two seconds before you realize you want it. Exactly. They know before you do. So eventually, uh, Magnus uh, grew up. He had a pretty uh, lush childhood. I think he's the only yes. traitor Primarch who lived in kind of a nice planet. Um, well, technically, Perturavo. Yeah, true, I guess. Barring court politics. Yes, exactly. Barring the, the politic well, of the, the world. Yeah. Well, to be fair, um, how much detail do we get about Prospero? Um, a decent amount. Uh, so it's... Okay. There's maybe three or four books of the Horus Heresy that talk about Prospero in some extent. Uh, albeit one of uh -huh. them is after it gets glassed. And not glassed. just how it was glassed. Yeah, one of them is yeah. about that, but... Uh, there is a couple, there is a little bit that we know about Prospero, uh, how, um, there's a lot of old, uh, ruins on Prospero that, like, archaeologies are going through, and they're trying to find, like, more, uh, STC templates, and Magnus is searching for knowledge. That's a constant theme, though. Magnus, who is... Knowledge. Knowledge. He was the knowledge boy. <laughs> um, so Magnus... Okay, so I was getting ahead of myself there. Uh, Magnus uh -huh. had uh, eventually um, grown to essentially the to be the Cyclopean king, or he wasn't a Cyclops at this point yet. Yes. Uh, he became. He had both his eyes at this point. Yes, he had both of his eyes. He became Archwizard Boy of the Planet of Prospero. Yes. Uh, he was the Harry Potter. He was the Harry Potter. He eventually founded yes. his own sort of school of uh, wizardry called the Cult of the Thousand Sons. Um, uh, yeah. So eventually, the Astartes would arrive uh, with the with uh, the Emperor. So the Emperor had yes. had previous conversations with Magnus before he even found Magnus on Prospero. Yes, because, because they were both psychic wizards. They're both psychic wizards, and they could speak 
from across the galaxy to each other. So they had probably the closest relationship. So uh. much so that the Golden Throne was designed for Magnus. Huh. So eventually... Hey, son! Look at this big chair I made for you. It's super cool. You should probably try sitting in it someday. I mean, so, it's, it's just a chair. It's just a really cool life support chair. Nothing bad will happen when you sit on it, Magnus. So originally, nothing bad would happen if he sat on it. Huh. So we'll get to why something bad does happen. Um, Magnus and the Emperor would have conversations at, across the galaxy. Magnus on Prospero, the Emperor on Terra. Um, but the Emperor had always constructed the idea of utilizing the Eldar webway to... Uh -huh. circumnavigate the um, the galaxy without utilizing warp technology because it was his yes. ideology. We talked about it in the first episode, but that was fucking a year ago now. Uh, it was his yes. ideology that um, humanity's utilization... Chaos is bullshit and we must do none, have nothing to do with it. Exactly. By utilizing warp technology, chaos will always have a root in humanity's existence. So, yes. by utilizing the webway, uh... That would circumnavigate uh, intergalactic travel without use of the warp. Therefore, the warp would become meaningless. Eventually, the chaos gods would uh, suffocate and die. They would starve. Yes. There wouldn't be any food, which is kind of untrue because they Not feed on raw works. emotion. But it's yes. whatever. It's it was we'll a well conceived we can, idea. Oh, we can talk about that. We can talk about that whenever we start talking about Magnus and Zinch. Yes. Okay. Um. So. The Emperor knew where Magnus was. The Thousand Sons, uh -huh. which had suffered a horrific gene mutation that limited... Yes. We talked about this with Fulgrim as well. Fulgrim's Emperor's children had suffered a horrific gene mutation that had only left about 300 Emperor's children alive. Well, guess how many uh -huh. Thousand Sons were left before they met their Primarch? 1,000. 1,000 of them, yes. <laughs> Uh, so they were Did reunited. You know, apparently. No, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say. Funny. <laughs> okay. I was just going to say they were reunited, and Magnus, in turn, in a way, to desperately, like Odin, looking for answers, uh, Magnus desperately turned to powers out in the warp to find a way to save his sons from this horrific gene mutation. So he sold okay. his eye for knowledge. Okay. So I would like to mention that apparently when their gene seed was implanted in the first legionaries, there was a warp storm in the solar system. The, the, so, is, the solar yeah. system of Earth. Our yeah. solar system. There was a giant chaos hole that opened for no reason. And psych according to Lexicanum, this brief warp storm was said to have generated psychic flashpoints all across Terra's globe, resulting in outbreaks of madness, suicide, and random violence. Whether it had any effect on the Legion's gene seed is doubtful, but upon learning of it years later, Magnus himself considered it to be a poor omen. <laughs> Which is never a good thing when Magnus himself yes. was like, yeah, uh, I don't know about this shit. It's not a good sign. <laughs> Yes. So Magnus found out about that. So that happened, and then there were only a thousand of them left. So Magnus heard a whispering in the night. Yeah. And the whispering said something to the effect of, You know what's better than having both your eyes? Knowledge. Knowledge. And then Magnus woke up and was missing an eye, but his sons kind of survived. 
Yes, so his sons did survive, and they were stable enough. The gene seed stabilized somehow, so that there was yes. enough stabilization so that the Thousand Sons Space Marine Legion could be born. Uh-huh. So let's it's, talk about them a little bit. Yes. They were divided so into... Called... Go ahead. Uh-huh. No, I'm looking at stuff. Yes. Uh, it says that it was made... They The Terran Thousand Sons came from this place called the... Achaemenid, Achaemenid Empire, Achaemenid Empire, Achaemenid and uh, Empire. blah blah, yep. yes, blah 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 blah. Guess where blah, that blah, was? Blah. I think uh, this is just Egypt. Egypt, it was Egypt. Yeah, Dul Karnan. Yeah. <laughs> yep, it was That's Egypt. Just no, Egypt. I've looked at I've looked at maps. It's Egypt. It's literally yeah. It's the Upper Nile Valley. Well, what what was the Upper Nile Valley? And um. And it extends into like old Saudi Arabia. Ah, uh, that so that was the Achaemenid Egypt. Yeah, it was Egypt. So does this mean that every portrayal of Magnus is wrong, and that he should sound like uh, the the voice actors for Trazen and Orican from The Infinite and the Divine? They that would be kind of accent. interesting. Yeah. So Prospero wasn't Prospero was cultured. As it was uh -huh. stylized as Egyptian, <laughs> but he yes. was um, he was raised on like I think they were just like normal like imperial Gothic. Um, uh, technically, though, like all the original Thousand Sons should be yeah. sounding like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, Araman definitely. Araman should yeah, and Araman is is described as an olive skinned, darker uh, yes, um, uh, individual. So I mean, there's a chance yes. that that's sort of carried over. Um, yeah. So the organization of the Thousand Sons was a peculiar one. Peculiar one. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't have companies, as it were. Um, they had fellowships, ah. and the fellowship was the the typical structure. Um, and they had a kind of superseding organization in addition to the fellowships called mm -hmm. uh, the cults, and mm -hmm. they were. Uh, five cults of the Thousand Suns Space Marine Legion. Uh, they were like non-organizational divisions. They were like, um, just sort of like, oh, you're one of these? Okay, you've, you belong in this group. And it's not really made clear why. Like, it's physically, it's because certain individuals possess certain abilities. But why would you organize your entire legion on the basis of five psychic powers? Well, you see, Magnus got his hands on an ancient tome called Harry Potter. I was going to say, it's like, just thus, like the Harry Potter houses. And when he gained access to his legion, he thought that it would be a great idea to model his army of mystical warriors, just as this ancient training place of mystical warriors, Hogwarts, the Academy yes. of Witchcraft and Wizardry. And so yeah. he did. He sorted them into the nice people house, the hero house, the nerd house, and the bad guy house. <laughs> yeah. Except there Just was like one that. more. <laughs> Except there was one more. Yep. Yes. Uh, so the five main cults, uh, there was the, the cult of the Corvidae, uh, which uh -huh. was specialized in precognition, which is seeing the future. Mm -hmm. uh, there was yes. the cult of the Pyrae, which was the pyrokinetic uh, generate uh -huh. and create fire. 
the Pavoni, uh-huh. which could use uh, their their psychic powers to change how they looked uh-huh. and changed how other organic organisms looked. Weird. I see. Uh, and then there was the cult of the uh, Ateneans, which were telepaths. Uh-huh. Okay. And the Raptora, which could use okay. uh, telekinesis. Okay, so for those of you who don't want to speak Latin, um, in order, it was Crow, Phoenix, Crow, Phoenix, Pigeon, um, Raptor, and I. Yes, exactly. So those are the Hogwarts houses of the Thousand Sons. And then apparently there was a a sixth house, uh, a sixth cult, um, that never really got actually created, um, called the Aquilae, Aquilae, Aquilae. Yes. Um, the Eagle Men. Yes, exactly. Which is ironic that the Eagle House was never established, right? Yes. The Aquila, because the, emperor the sign didn't of like the Emperor. Share. Yeah, exactly. Yes, he didn't like to share. He only let Fulgrim have the Eagle one because he was his favorite. Yeah. Also, they turned to chaos yes. before they could... Uh... Yes. Yes, exactly. I also like how it describes it as a pyramid. Yes. So, anyway, the Thousand Sons were uh, organized into nine fellowships. Uh, the chief, the first, so the first captain of the first fellowship, the fir- first fellowship captain was also the same person who was the chief librarian, and his name was Azek Araman. Yes. Yes. Did you know that Araman is actually the name of the Zoroastrian god of evil? I did know that, yes. I have read books about Very the Zoroastrian. Yes. Uh, there was also um, notable other members were Amon, the man who literally found Magnus. Yeah, he was yes. turned into a space marine, unlike everybody else's parent, because Which magic. Is stupid. Yep. Time out. I let me let me click his name again. Let me. He was a, he was a grown man when he found Magnus, yes. right? Yes, he was. And so was Corferon. So was Corferon. So why are they allowed to be space marines? Magic. Corferon wasn't magic. Uh, Corferon wasn't made into a space marine. Corferon had genetic oh. enhancements and was given Terminator armor. Oh, huh. Amon <laughs> became a space marine. Right, yes. And he also became uh, Aquarita Magnus. He was magic. He was magic, yeah. Yes. He was magic. Yes. He also had face tattoos, which made him look like a D and D a D and D villain. Yeah, he he does he does. Yeah. <laughs> so. So they were talking. Oh wait, the Book of Magnus. The Book of Magnus was the creation of Magnus. Was a essentially the Book yes. of Lorgar, but for Magnus, it was yes. basically yes. a book of magic. It was the Necronomicon. Uh huh. Yes. Except it's legally distinct from the Necronomicon. Please don't sue us. The Please people who own the evil dead. Please don't sue us. Please don't sue us. <laughs> legally, the legally distinct. Still the library. Legally distinct and yes. different Necronomicon. <laughs> <laughs> so Prospero was a flourishing world uh, with the introduction of the Astartes and the Thousands of Space Brain Legion. Um, also, can I just say how cool the space the Thousand Suns armor is? Uh, heresy. It is very during the cool. heresy era, uh, yes. post heresy, pre heresy. Fuck me. Um, it's like this it does look very scarab cool. red 
and they have like yes. weird cool symbols all over it and the scarab obviously because yes. they're Egyptian um, yes it looks super duper Egypty it does it's very their good swords look like the, their swords look like um, Kopesh their swords look like Kopesh yes exactly yes. I forgot what the pull of Kopesh was Yes. The um, ancient Egyptian sickle sword. Which is very which on Which means key. that any... Also... Yes. They look Egyptian, which means that any second now, there's... Someone's going to make a joke about Necron sending them a cease and desist letter because they did it first. Yeah, right? That'd be funny. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a very funny joke to make if only someone had made if it. If only somebody ago. made it, GW. If only yes. somebody made that joke. Yes. Moving on. <laughs> the... A thousand Sons would join the Great Crusade. Uh, they would lead a kind of prosperous uh, career. Uh, unfortunately, their pursuit of knowledge got in the way of actually doing a lot of good for the Imperium. Uh, so uh -huh. there was a lot of grudges made because the Thousand Sons would uh, dip out of combat to like look up the local library sort of thing. Like yes. they'd be engaged on a world and then they'd stop fighting like because Magnus would say, listen, fellas, he's got, like, books and shit in his library, so we can't we can't go to <laughs> war like, with these people. Like, gentlemen, cease fire immediately. Do you know what this is? No, no, Commander. This is the last borders in the universe. <laughs> the blood, the last Barnes and Noble. Yes, we must fortify this position immediately. And then Rogel Dorn's eyebrow twitched for a second. He's like... I feel someone has said my line. Yes, exactly. Knowledge. <laughs> this joke will continue. So, the pursuit of knowledge led to unsavory uh, yes. kind of consequences. Um, so much yes. so that Ma the Emperor was looking at the Thousand Sons and said, hey, I don't really like what they're doing with the whole warp sorcery bullshit, uh, which was a Hold problem. On. We should clarify. It's not just warp sorcery. They were some like these guys had like little zinch demon familiars yes, a lot they of the did. time. So they called them yes. tutelaries. So, yes. They were literal demons that the Thousand Suns summoned yes. as familiars, as little pets yes. and sources of knowledge. And yes, that is gonna come back. <laughs> yes. So I want so everyone picture for a moment the emperor, big shiny golden man checking up, or anyone really, any other space marine legion that's not Thousand Suns, coming to visit your local, doing a joint operation with the Thousand Suns, and then you meet their leader, and then he has this little tiny green thing running around singing Rebecca Black's Friday in this horrible <laughs> voice, which is horrifying, but you can't crush it because you know. That's the dude, because the because the Thousand Sons commander is like, you can't kill Steven, he's my most prized tutelary. Yes. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. And then they're just staring at it like, that's that's a demon. I have to kill it, it's a demon. It's like, it's not a demon. It's not a demon, it's a tutelary. But everyone knew that every single Space Marine chapter had dudes that looked at that thing and went, that is evil. <laughs> a literal conversation that was had between Araman, Isaac Araman, the first, the chief librarian, and a rune priest of the Space Wolves called Othwir Weirdmake was about the, the, the literal demon that Araman summoned in front of Weirdmake. And he was like, that's a, 
that's a that's a fucking demon. And then Araman was like, nah, it's just my pet, my guy. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> we should clarify, because I don't think we've talked a lot about the different flavors of librarian that we have. We vaguely touched it, but we definitely can. Yeah. Go ahead. We definitely can. So every single Space Marine chapter has their own flavor of wizard. The Space Wolves, as we mentioned, they have shamans. They have rune, They have these more shamanistic librarians that are called rune priests. So what they do is they channel the warp into elemental things. But they know that the thing that if you do enough space magic, you, something will smell it and follow you. Because, you know, they have, con they have a concept of, like, if you make enough noise, there will be predators that will be attracted to the noise. Ripples because in the ocean. Just yes. Which is a Whereas, fitting metaphor because the Thousand Suns use the term Great Ocean to describe yes. the warp. Yes. And instead of seeing the fact that there were, oh my god, there are thousands of predators, like everyone else did, they were like, oh no. These things that we just, these things, they're, they're harmless. Look at it. Perfectly harmless. Look at it. Look at that. Look at that little gremlin thing. It's spitting blood on the ground, <laughs> spitting blood and acid all over the ground. Look at it. It's adorable. Yes. And every other space marine legion was horrified by this. And they all told the emperor, and eventually the emperor got reports of these horrible things where these dudes are fucking summoning sangors and shit. Yes, exactly. And then the emperor's like, we need to have a sit down, Magnus. This is some shit you're doing and I don't like it. And then Magnus was like, nobody understands. You don't understand. I am the only one who knows what I'm talking about. And, Mag and the emperor's just like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. In so many words. And that shut the fuck up came in the form of a literal trial that was held on a planet yes. called Nikea. Yes, excellent segue. <laughs> so Nikea was a very unstable world. It was essentially a volcanic destabilizing world, which is fitting because, and they talk about this in one of the books, I can't remember which one, but they're like, hey, it's really ironic that the trial of Magnus the Red is going to happen on a planet that will no longer exist in a few decades to kind of wipe yes. that stain off of the Imperium. Um, yep. So it essentially was a planet that all the Primarchs and their kind of uh, escorts were invited to where Magnus would defend along with some of his brothers, uh, such as, uh, I believe the Khan and Fulgrim. Uh, yeah, Jagatai Khan and Sanguinius. Sanguinius, okay. Uh, they would... Sanguinius specifically. Interesting. Okay, that makes yeah, sense, though. Because, le because lest we forget the last time we, we spoke about Glorious Hawkman, um, Sanguinius also has psychic powers. Yes. Uh, All the Primarchs yep. have psychic powers, but his are noticeably like, these are psychic goings on, and not yeah. like, um, what's his name? Not, um, how did I forget his name? Lehman Russ's Assassin's Creed style counter button that he had. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Nikea was a planet, so Magnus the Red would defend the use of sorcery. Uh, he proposed, uh -huh. so he made a very strong argument. Unfortunately, yes. Magnus blatantly lied. 
Uh, uh-huh. And I think the emperor knew that he lied. So I don't know if all of you are familiar with the works of Plato and Socrates. Um, during the during the trial, Magnus makes reference to a piece written in Plato's Republic, uh, talking about uh, men locked in a cave, and yes. the cave was dark and repressive, and eventually they light a fire. And they use the fire shadows to make depictions of reality on the walls. And lo and behold, one of the men in the caves, and this is a butchering, I am butchering this, but I hope you understand what I'm getting at. Eventually one- It's the man in the cave. Everyone at some point has heard the man in the cave, but continue. Yes. So one of the men eventually breaks out of this cave prison and finds the world above. And the world above is green and it's beautiful and the sun's shining and it's it's paradise. And when he comes back down to the cave, uh, and here's where it differs a little bit. Um, in Magnus's story, I believe he says that that man gets savage, uh, gets hoisted as a god, as he is now the greatest among us. He has discovered the truth, and the truth is worth any means. Now, unfortunately, in the actual story, I believe he gets beaten to death. He does. So That is the point. He believe he does mention that, because in Lexicanum, it says that he mentions that, you know, he, showed, he strove to show his friends the truth despite their rejection and disbelief. So I believe the thing he's doing is, I am the man who dug beyond and saw the world beyond what we see now. And I'm trying to share that with you. And now look at this that's going on. All of you are trying to censor me. This is not fair. Cancel culture. Cancel culture. (laughs) So that little misinterpretation or willing, willingly altered story uh, is um, very emblematic of Magnus as he thinks he Uh is in fact infallible. He thinks he's better than everybody else. He has that air of superiority because he thinks he understands the reality of the world and of the great ocean and the reality of the warp. He doesn't. Yes. He is another pawn uh, being moved around a board by a disgusting mass of emotion called siege yes yes also do you remember the moment that starts the um that makes rut that makes people go like we need to have a sit down i don't lehman russ watches a thousand sun go through the flesh change oh yes of course yep so the flesh change is what ha- a thousand sun basically going through Converting into a Shogoth. Yes, exactly. They basically turn into a yeah, HP Lovecraft, a horrifying uh, writhing abomination. mass of flesh and tentacles and spikes, which and is dead memes, which is literally a chaos spawn. Yes. So, Liebman Russ watched that happen and was like, "I have sat down and I have put up with Magnus doing his weird nerd shit." But this is too far. And then Mortarian, who hates wizards because he's basically a medieval peasant with wings. Yep. Found that was like, see, this is what they do. This is what 
This is what the nerves do when you give them half a chance. They start turning into weird monsters. I lived on a necromancer planet. How long until the world of the thousand suns turn into demented hell planets run by monsters of flesh and transformed flesh? And so that was when everybody sat down. And that's when Magnus because everybody was put had on librarians. Trial. Everybody yes. had librarians. Everybody uh, had most had of them. Most of the most of the chapters yes. had librarians. Yeah, most of the legions. Ex- yeah, except for um, Mortarian, the Death Guard, the Death Guard. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I think that was that was it. Yeah, just Mortarian. <laughs> everybody else had librarians in some capacity, but Mortarian was the only one who had a hardline policy on it. Right. Because the argument for it, the Council of Nikea, was always kind of, we need the we need the wizards are useful. We need the wizards because the wizards, on average, our wizard, like a lot of the like Sanguinius would spoke a lot about, you know, not all of the librarianses do that. We have librarianses. The Khan has storm seers. And those guys can harness the power of the warp without turning into horrible, um, chunky salsa monsters. Exactly. So that was the argument for it. And um, eventually, after some time, everyone was like, well, how do you have proof that you can not turn into horrible nightmare monsters? And that by, by using chaos that will not attract the horrible nightmare monsters? And then they were like, well, you see, but no one listened because this was a, uh, the people on the opposite side of this trial were people like Lehman Russ, who does not listen to people. No. No, there's no listening going on. Yes. So eventually, blah, 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 um, during the Council of Nike, this is an important, so this is an important event, but we're glazing over it. Constantine Valdor was here. Constantine Valdor was there. Yeah, so that's how you know it's important. The big, imp- the chief custodian was there. Amon tried to assassinate a custodian named Amon Taromakian. Uh, Amon Taromakian. Yeah, he's uh, big in the yes. Sagittarius. Yes. Yes, and um, Amon was stopped by Bjorn the Fellhanded. Bjorn, the oldest living that- space marine. Yes. Bjorn, the oldest living space marine. We talked about him at length in the Space Wolves episode. Yeah. And uh, this kind of moved things in a direction because if you're in a debate and you do some reactionary shit like this and you're already losing, this kind of cements you wherever you were going to go already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And eventually, I think regardless of whatever was argued at the Council of Nikea, the Emperor would make the same decision, because this was all a show. This wasn't a this wasn't a trial, this was a farce. Um uh-huh. the Emperor was going to censure Magnus to Red. Uh he was going yes. to forbid the use, the utilization of warp magic, and the Thousand Sons were going to have to change or they wouldn't survive. Uh yes. Except, you know, um Lehman got to keep the uh Lehman got to keep the shamans and uh Jagatai Khan yeah. got to keep the Storm Seers and Sanguinius didn't get in trouble. Yeah. Everyone got to keep librarians 
to a very, very, very minor degree. So it talks about a lot how after the emperor's decision to f forbid uh, warp usage at the Council of Nikea, uh, the librarians of each legion were to be disbanded. Yes. However, you cannot remove psychic potential from somebody, uh, yes. so these individuals would just be folded back into like line operation. They would become standard yeah. legionnaires again. Uh, until yeah. the Horus Heresy breaks out, when they literally needed to use warp magic to fight the fuck-off large demons that they were fighting that normal bolt rounds could not put down. Yes. So, time... So the Emperor did not... So, it, during this whole thing, it was unproven that Magnus was a sorcerer, even though he is the leader of the Legion of Wizards. Yes. And no one at all was like, what if the legion, the lead, the king of the army of wizards is a wizard? What if he is the magical Trevor? Right. But no one thought that. And the emperor personally said to Magnus, and I quote, If you treat with the warp, Magnus, I shall visit destruction upon you, and your legion's name will be struck from the imperial records for all time. Kind of and reminiscent. Magnus of what happened to the other two. Yeah. A little bit. And so Magnus knew that he could be, at any moment, the Emperor could just be point to the South and Sun to say, delete them, and they would just be gone. Yes. Yeah, so, so. eventually, that's exactly what would happen. Uh, yes. So Horus Lupercal would eventually get stabbed with a little knife on a planet called Davin, and this would send uh -huh. Horus into a death spiral, whereupon... Erebus, using warp magic, would entreat to him the will of the Chaos Gods. Uh, yes. The Corvidae, uh, Araman's cult, would foresee this along with Magnus the Red, so they collectively attempted to intercept this and warn Horus of the heresy to come, essentially. Yes. Um, and try to convince him that bowing to the Chaos Gods was not the right decision. Unfortunately, yes. Horus heard what Magnus was saying, but was so convinced by the lie is a strong word, by the half-truths that yes. Chaos was telling him. We will talk about this a lot more next time when we talk about Horus himself. Um, yes. Eventually, though, Horus would choose Chaos, and Magnus, in a kind of rushed state of paranoia, used a similar ritual to attempt to contact the Emperor and warn him of what was happening with Horus. So Magnus traversed the warp uh, in like astral projection form and yes. would uh, come to a barrier at a point. Yes. And, and at this point, a bunch of str a strange songs started playing through the air. And then as Magnus, as the strange song got closer and closer, a little blue bird flew onto Magnus's hand and was like, It looks like you need some help there, buddy. And so Magnus made a deal with this bird and absorbed the power of Zinch, and that was how he broke a hole through the Emperor's half-finished webway tube 
opened up a giant demon hole in the Golden Throne. Yes. So, Magnus made a deal with Zinch. Magnus used the power of a Chaos God to punch open a hole in a barrier that he came across. Little did he know that that was the webway. Uh, He opened a breach into the webway uh, to traverse it to attempt to find uh, the Emperor. He eventually Uh finds the Emperor, and in showing up, not only were the demons a problem, uh, but he also short-circuited and ruined the the fragile technology that was being installed to operate the Golden Throne. So the Golden Throne, from this point on, would be broken. Oh. And the Emperor wouldn't... No one would be able to fix it. Yes. Because... Oh. So the Emperor, in a very harsh realization saw that Magnus had fucked up everything. That's where the the Magnus ruined everything trope came from. Um, The Emperor had to then, from this point on, sit on the Golden Throne in perpetual agony, or else that hole that was ripped in the webway would expand infinitesimally large, and the demons would surge into Terra, onto every other Imperium-controlled planet, and the galaxy as we would know it would cease to be. Yes. So, at this point, the Emperor was not willing to listen to Magnus, as one can imagine. He burst in, and the sounds of memes from 2005 were playing as an army of Sangors and Slaanesh demons prepared to destroy everything. So, he basically just grabbed Magnus by his very long hair, threw him out of the throne room, told him to never come back, and then sat on the golden throne and bore the brunt of the f- eternal Rickroll that plays in the, in the warp. Exactly. And it was as a response to this that the Emperor would decree the censure of Magnus the Red. Yes. Now, the form of this would be in the Emperor's Executioner, Lehman Russ, yes. the entire Space Wolves Legion, a detachment of uh, Adeptus Custodes, led by Constantine Valdor, the, the Captain General of the Adeptus yes. Custodes, as well as a detachment of Silent Sisters, who, guess yes. what they do? They repress warp. Because they, they don't are just repress warp; they make psychers want to die. Yeah, they, they sometimes psychers literally die in their presence. Yes, because it's a literal absence of feeling. Um, yes. So they would march on Prospero. Unfortunately for Magnus, about halfway through that transit, uh, Horace got on the little telephone with Lehman Russ and said, uh, "Hey, Lehman, listen. So uh, the Emperor changed his mind, and like what Magnus did." There's no going back from that. I mean, you might as well just kill him, right? Yeah. And then Lehman Russ very enthusiastically agreed. Yes. (laughs) It's like, for too long he has been telling me, he has been calling the phone and telling me, hello, yes, is this dog? (laughs) I have grown sick and tired of him and his weird statements that make no bloody sense. Yeah. And I will see this erasure dealt with. And so he would fucking kill his brother Magnus the Red. Um, yes. So Prospero is invaded by the Space Wolves, the Custodes, and the, the Sisters of Silence. Uh, unfortunately for the Thousand Sons, for about three quarters of the battle, Magnus the Red was crying in his room. 
He would not fight his brother. He would not defy the will of the Emperor uh, until shit really hit the fan and uh-huh. his sons were being absolutely massacred by the Wolfen because that's how much Lehman Russ wanted to fucking murder his brother. He unleashed the fucking werewolves he keeps chained up in his basement. <laughs> At that point, Magnus had enough. He said, no longer shall my sons be massacred by Lehman Russ's weird degenerate persona monsters. This and so ends. He- and he clanged his staff on the ground and tried pointing his, and he pointed the biggest gun he could at Lehman Russ and screamed, Avada Kedavra! Before Lehman Russ grabbed him and then knee dropped him in half. Yeah, and then he broke his, he bane snapped his knee, his, his spine over his knee. Uh, yes. About halfway through this battle, um, the Thousand Sons, so overwhelmed, asked, cried out even for their tutelaries to help them channel the power of the warp. And you know what they did? Uh-huh. They ate their souls instead. The tutelaries were obviously fucking demons. So when the, the thousand sons who, who bound them, who summoned and bound them, were weakened by the, the apparent loss of the battle, yes. uh, the tutelaries said, okay, cool. I'm gonna consume your soul now, and maybe even possess your body. And so that's exactly what happened. Uh, at the same time that happened, the flesh change started fucking uh-huh. up the Thousand Suns again. So yes. a lot of them were turning into weird chaos spawn. Uh, yes. Magnus was getting... So Magnus was putting up a fight. Um, he punched uh-huh. out one of Lehman Russ's two hearts, which was an achievement. Uh-huh. Uh, Lehman yes. Russ then broke and shattered Magnus's body over his knee uh-huh. like a goddamn psychopath. Uh-huh. And it is said that Magnus screamed in a way that can only be described as megalovania. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> there will be more of this, and I will explain my logic in a second because we're building up to something okay. here. Okay. <laughs> so, eventually, Magnus's body was shattered, his soul uh-huh. fragmented, and uh-huh. in a last-ditch effort, Magnus called all the power he could manage, as well as entreating to the same entity he made deals with in the past uh, for extra yes. power. He transported the remainder of his sons, as well as um, himself, to a mysteriously shimmering planet in the Eye of Terror, yes. known as the Planet of the Sorcerers. Yes. And at that moment, that same shimmering face appeared again and said to Magnus, all your souls are belong to us. And then all half of and then most of his legion vaporized into dust. So yeah. Um the flesh change was taking place at a rapid pace now, and uh in an effort to stop this, uh Chief Librarian Azek Araman cast a little tiny spell called uh-huh. uh, the Rubric of Araman. Yes. And what the Rubric did was all of those suffering from this, the flesh change would essentially be turned to dust. Uh, yes. Locked in their armor forever. The process made a very distinct sound. Avery, in, in post-production, please edit in several vine booms whenever we say the word Rubric of Araman. Okay. There should have been a vibe after I said that. I understand. 
rubric of Araman. Another one. Yes. Um, so the, uh, the rubric was cast. Those not psychically gifted enough would become rubric remain rubric marines. Rubric marines were unintelligent automatons bound to the will of a psyker. Uh huh. Um, would immediately regret this shit. Yes. So much because they could only speak in references that no one understood. Yeah, exactly. And they were just melancholic, melancholically depressed all the time. They communicated in exclusively in cut up my in cut up lyrics of emo songs from the early two thousands. Naturally, so this is like, hey, uh, brother Terenius, how are you doing? I walk a lonely road, the only road that I have ever known. Vine boom sound. <laughs> uh, so the rubric would be the greatest and most infamous achievement of Azek Ehrman. Uh, so much so that he would spend the remainder of his life, which is ongoing currently, uh, trying yes, to reverse he's this. Still alive. That's yes. why you'll see a lot of memes of him not having a library card. He's trying yes. to get into the Black Library to find something to reverse the rubric. Yes. He wants. He's trying to find the sake, the sacred and legendary cheeseburger. Yes. Of the Kirker Bing Chimkin Numgit. I fucking despise you. I'm just saying you. words. I'm just saying words at this point. So now it's time for me to explain why I'm doing this bit. Okay. <laughs> because now we get to talk about the. Now that we've mentioned Araman and the rubric. The rubric of Araman. Vine boom. And the rubric Marines. Every time I say the word rubric, there should be a vine boom. You're asking, this a, is only you're asking a lot of me, my guy. That's fair. I could do it if you want. <laughs> So, the rubric marine. So, sorry. Um, Zinch. Zinch communicates with knowledge. So his entire method of, you know... What, hold on, let me rephrase. I had a thought, I had a plan for how I was going to take this. Zinch's entire purview is knowledge. Knowledge and conniving. The application of that knowledge. Where Zinch is the god of change. Where, you know... If someone Zinch is the god of the wily Zinch is the god of your wily coyotes, but also of your Sherlock Holmes, the people who devise the mysteries and the evil conspiracies, and also the people who you know foil said conspiracies through planning and trickery. So by that same extension, Zinch communicates to others in ways that most people would think indecipherable, which is why Zinch, which is why no one knew. Um, no one from Prospero knew that they were, you know, technically servants of Zinch, even though they, too, would summon tutelaries and such. They didn't know that all these things that they summoned were fragments of a larger whole, but they knew that these things, excuse me, existed because Zinch is a... Zinch... Zinchian demons manifest to those who seek arcane knowledge. And they speak a language that no one understands based on symbols that make sense to no one save for those who understand them. What does that mean? It's a cryptic riddle, much like the sound of one hand clapping. You're not, it's not supposed to make sense to a logical person because Zinch's logic is by definition indecipherable by the average mortal brain. 
So Zinch's demons, and thus by extension his servants, are logicless, are driven by logic in the case of Araman, or are, like, well, visible logic by, you know, the description of Araman, or logic that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, like any other Zinchian demon, such as, you know, your Sangors, your Changing Horrors, and all the other creatures that were used as quote-unquote tutelaries. Right. Because, by their definition, their sense of logic is ever-changing and constant. Yet, constant and inconsistent, yet cons internally consistent. Much like memes. Much like memes. Particularly dead ones. Yeah. Why did I make the jokes about the Rickroll and the Vine Boom? Because it makes no sense, and therefore was a logical maneuver and a means of misdirecting you from the fact that I couldn't really think of an original funny gimmick to give the Thousand Sons. So that's why I'm basically gonna say shit like Magnus does have cheeseburger knowledge. Because that is how Zinch communicates. Zinch communicates to people through, not directly, he communicates with the average person through visions and dreams that are indecipherable, save to those who are capable of understanding them. Much like this conversation that I've, much like these jokes are indecipherable, save to those of you who were present for these eras of internet history. Yes. So there is a logical reason why, as the burning of Pro as you visualize the burning of Prospero, the ultimate showdown of Ultimate Destiny song should be playing. Avery, I need to be sent a copy of this. Even if you don't do all the ridiculous editing nonsense, I will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so eventually, the Thousand Sons would be teleported to the planet of the Sorcerers, where they would regroup, and um, they would eventually make their way to Terra for the siege. Now, they were here for the siege of Terra. However, they were not really participating. Um, the reason they were on Terra was to recover one of the shards of Magnus's soul, who was embedded in a individual who became known as Janus, and that was what? essentially the loyalist shard of Magnus, was sent to Terra. Janus? Janus. Oh, right, Janus as in the two-headed god, and not Janus as in Janus the librarian woman. No. Janus as in one of the founders of the Grey Knights. I see. Uh, Janus was the teacher of Grandmaster Kaldor Drago. Uh-huh. Uh, Janus was the harborer of the Loyalist Shard of Magnus's soul. So that's what uh -huh. they were doing on, on Terra. They very quickly realized we don't really belong here. They left. They regrouped at the Planet of the Sorcerers. And then the, the Legion essentially fragmented into warbands. Um, one of the most prominent members, besides Azek Araman, of course, uh, of the Thousand Suns Legion is Iskandar Kaon, who is one of my favorite characters in modern 40k. Uh -huh. Iskandar Kaon, also known as Kaon the Black, or Kingbreaker, was a, uh, a sorcerer of the Thousand Suns. He uh, was vehemently outspoken against uh, Araman's rubric, uh, so much so that he attempted to kill Araman during the, the casting of the rubric, 
Uh, right. He would eventually solo fight Magnus the Red in full uh-huh. ascendant demonhood and would right. win. Uh, this motherfucker was hard. He also uh-huh. um, was one of the few members, he was one of the founding members of the Black Legion. Uh-huh. Uh, he was one of the uh, Isikarian, one of the inner circle of uh, uh, Abaddon during the formation of the Black Legion and would uh-huh. a journey with him to conduct uh-huh. the Black Crusades. Right. Do you know what's funny? What? Iskandar Kaon had a was close with a dark Eldar scourge yes. named Nefertari. So Nefertari was actually bound to uh, uh, Iskandar Kaon. Uh huh. It was his personal like companion. Uh huh. So we don't need to make jokes about Bob anymore. Now we got Iskandar Kaon and his weird elf woman with wings yeah, named sh- Nefertiti, I mean Nefertari. She was weird. Totally not just weird elf goddess Isis. No, definitely from not. ancient Egyptian nope, mythology. Nope, can't be. That's not right. Nope, not here. This is intellectually yes. distinct. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> As I'm sure we all know, GW has never, ever ripped anyone else off. Ne- ever. Never. What? Never. You hear that, GW? See how loyal I am? You know what you should give me? Space Marine 2. We should both have Space Marine 2. So, Iskandar Kaon was present when uh, Ezekiel uh, Abaddon killed the clone of Horus during the Battle of Harmony um, and would be there when the Black Legion would consolidate most of the traitor forces. Um, That was... The only one I care enough to talk about. Okay, cause we had we talked about Airmen, we talked about um, who the fuck is Tolbeck? I I, I don't know. Tolbeck uh Tolbeck was a former member of the Thousand Sons Legion. He was an adept of the Pirate Cult during the Great Crusade. Blah 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 blah. He was one of the he was part of the Airmen's Fellowship to reclaim the shards of Magnus. After Rubric's failure, he was exiled from the Legion. He joined Amon's warband. Blah blah blah, blah blah blah. A monster killed him. That's it. Irrelevant. Uh, he he was brought back maybe through time nonsense. Oh, interesting. Uh, we should talk. So, please explain to me what the fr- so Magnus's soul was fragmented. Yeah. At what point do we go from uh? the Assassin's Creed style hunt for Magnus fragments to a uh, full demon Primarch. Um, there isn't much time in between. Um, huh. So when he teleports the Thousand Sons to the planet of the Sorcerers, uh-huh. Magnus is not physical anymore. Magnus has no physical corporeal form. He is literally just energy. In the shape of a Magnus, um, mm-hmm. and he uh, coalesces himself with the shards of his soul that he could find, becomes physical again enough so that he ascends to demonhood. Uh-huh. It gets confusing, and then yes. he eventually 
so he's full fully ascended there is a point when in the 41st millennium when Rabute Gilliman is attempting to traverse his way back to Terra Magnus intercepts him in full ascendant demonhood and that's right. where we see that's when he got his new model uh-huh. Uh, for that. So that's when we know for a fact he's ascended. I assume he has ascended during the Siege of Terra, like just before or after, but I'm not 100%. Okay. I am still on... So, when I am confused because how do we get from... So that's when Magnus has his new, so Magnus, so Magnus goes from shards to demon, and then after that, what happens to the rest of the pieces? Oh no, here it is. It says what happens to the rest of the pieces. Not much. Not much. Magnus is still alive. Yes, Magnus is still alive. Magnus is still alive, and Magnus is able to yell at Araman. Yeah, multiple times. Yes. And, uh, blah, 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 blah. Magnus tried besieging the Space Wolves planet again. Yes. It didn't take. It didn't go well. <laughs> Mainly because Bjorn the Fellhanded woke up and then kicked the shit out of Magnus. Yes. They're... They're... They just kind of sat down like, Liebman is gone. Wake up, Bjorn. Bjorn will deal with it. And Bjorn did deal with it. Uh, Dark Imperium happened. And that's it. Yeah, and then <laughs> that's, that's, that's what Magnus, modern that's day. Airman's still trying to break into a library. Yep. Uh, the Thousand Sons are off being uh, wizard nerds with their horrible gibbering demon creatures. Yes, indeed. Uh, we, I feel should talk now that we have we talked about now that i had that weird um segue about zinch and how zinch does his weird ex zinch communicates we should talk about more about zinch's like the demons that would fight along with sure. uh, along with magnus because you know we talked about we talked a bit about corn with uh scarbrand Yes, we talked a bit about Scarbrand. Does Scarbrand work with the... No, Scarbrand will not... No, none of them work together. Yes. Scarbrand hates nerds. Scarbrand hates nerds. Scarbrand yes. also hates illiterate. Scarbrand yes. hates. Just yes. Scarbrand. Yes. Uh, so the demons of Zinch, uh, obviously there are the big ones, the changers of fate. Uh, that's what Kairos Fate Weaver is. He's essentially yes. a two-headed, massive fucking bird. Uh, uh -huh. One head tells truths, the other one tells lies. Nobody knows which one's which. Um, Kairos is one of those weird ones that exists both in fantasy and 40k. Just like yes. Scarbrand. It's weird. And, and Nakari. And Nakari. Yeah. And uh, the great unclean one, what's his face? Uh, Plague Father. Yes. Or Utter Blight. Or both. Yes. I don't know. Nurgle's all weird. Of them. Yes, all of the demons exist in both worlds. Which is but interesting. The great horned rat does not exist. No, no horned rat. In, yes, don't you know, Anisius, no that Skaven aren't real? <laughs> You're right. 
How could I have forgotten that? Skaven denialism Skaven. increases, intensifies. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So, I feel like there should be more to talk about with the Thousand Sons, because they're they're the wizards. Yeah. They're Egypt wizards, and they should have more stuff to talk about, but they kind of don't. Nah. Nah, I mean, they're like Zangor, Zangors, uh, which are essentially blue beast men. Uh, yes. There are the weird horrors, the ver yes. many colored varieties of them. Um, yes. I think that's it. Yeah. I don't think Zinch has many demons. Oh, he doesn't. I'm doing a think. I don't think he does. I think that's it. There are blue horrors, red horrors, or pink horrors. Uh, there's Zangors. There's the Zangor shamans. There's... I'm uh -huh. literally... In my head, I'm going through my Thousand Sons army. Uh, uh -huh. There are uh, changes of fate. Uh, uh -huh. There are just demon princes of Zinch. I think that's it. Yeah, we should clarify. You have... A, uh, you, you're building a Thousand Sons army. Yeah, they're very painful to paint, though, because their models are so old and fragile. Yes. So when I'm not painting Raven Guard, I'm painting Thousand Sons. It is weird. Like, I have you... I have five, six hundred points of Thousand Suns right now, which isn't a yeah, lot, so... but it's it's enough. Yeah, it's enough to be able to like talk more about them than we have. There's nothing to talk about. Yes. Araman is the only one that gets any kind of notification because he's the chosen of Zinch. That's it. Yes. <laughs> There's other ones. But they're just nerds. They're just nerds. And they're not that special. No. Well, him and Kaon. Kaon and his elf girlfriend. Kaon is the only not nerd nerd. Yes. Kaon was called the blade <laughs> of uh, of Ezekiel because he just assassinated all the problematic uh, chaos lords. <laughs> That's not a nerd thing. That's old. a cool badass thing. Yes. Oh, Screamers. It's screamers of Zinch. That's another oh. demon. They look like f uh, flying uh, mana rays. Oh, that's cool. In conclusion, GW, fix. Fix. You have 9th edition. You brought Necrons back. Fix. Fix. That is all. And that's the Thousand Suns. Yes. Tune in next week where we talk about um, future space Mary Submarines, aka Horus and his army, the Luna Wolves, aka Sons of Horus, aka the only one whose name the Emperor remembers, aka author self insert character. Yes. Garviel Loken? Wow, I relate just like Garviel Loken. I'm just like him, says anybody yes. ever reading a 40k novel. Okay, yes. we'll talk about that next time when we talk about. Horace Lupercal and the Little Wolves slash Thousand Sons slash Black Legion. I have one more joke I need to make. Do it now or forever hold Number your peace. 15, Burger King Foot Lettuce. Okay, we're done talking now. Yes. Join us Ave next time. Imperator. Ave Imperator. <laughs> <laughs>